Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Platitudes, I suppose, have their place. Sometimes a short, pithy summary which encapsulates the whole truth of something put in a memorable maxim. These can be useful for us. Years ago, I think Mother Teresa, if I remember correctly, she gave a speech somewhere to some large, august body uh, of world rulers and leaders somewhere, and she, uh, they were all there waiting to see what this saintly little old woman was going to get up and say. She slowly came to the podium, cleared her throat, she looked out over them and she said, love one another. Then she went and sat down. That was her speech. <laughs> St. Augustine, I suppose it had a good effect, I hope. St. Augustine sort of reduces the rule of one's life to Love God and do what you want. I love St. Augustine. Nobody puts things quite like he does. Jesus, today in our gospel, sums up what he says. He sums up the entire law and the prophets when he says, Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That's the sum total of everything. The entire law and prophets. Imagine a Jew hearing that. How important the scriptures, the holy scriptures are to a Jew who memorized much of them. The Torah and the law and the prophets and all of these scriptures, these thousands of words, this entire book, this holy book come down from God, which had shaped a nation, revealed God's presence. It was his self-revelation. And Jesus sums it up in two short little commandments. Saying this is what it's all about. All of it is about loving God and loving your neighbor. Now, what should be obvious, but maybe is not so obvious about all of this, is that the pithy platitude, even as Jesus utters it, is not sufficient. Is not sufficient to convey the full weight of the matter or to bring about the desired effects of God's word and revelation of himself. Why is it not sufficient? How do we know it is not sufficient? I mean, Jesus summed it up, right? In a single double law. It's actually a single double law. Uh, Well, it's not sufficient because of the plain fact that God gave us the law and the prophets. (laughs) That's why. I mean, he gave us the holy scriptures. So he he obviously felt it was not sufficient. Um, God gave us all of the scriptures and elucidated and explicated what it actually means and what it looks like to love God and what it looks like to not love God as well. This was also important to include in his revelation. He not only gave the scriptures, he gave us teachers, lots of teachers who expound the scriptures. God gave us the scriptures and he gave us teachers, he gave us the law, he gave us the prophets and the psalms. And he sums up, Jesus sums up today, 
All of this and this pithy little summary of the meaning of everything, by doing this, he's not replacing the thousands of words of scriptures and teachers with this simple maxim or summary, but he is clarifying for us, you know, giving us, and that is helpful. That is helpful for us. It's okay to have talking points, as long as you go beyond the talking points. But the talking points, the maxims of life, I find them very helpful. Uh, Father Thomas Hopko has his, I don't remember how many there are, is it 30 or something, 40, however many there are. He has his 30 or 40 maxims. They're excellent to read through from time to time and think about them. But all of this he gives to clarify that the source and the end of all things is the love of God and we love God with the very same love that God has in himself. So that's the summary of everything. Love of God and love of neighbor. We have vertical love and we have horizontal love. Vertical and horizontal. Now we've been studying the book of Hebrews now for about seven years here in our adult Sunday school class. We are on chapter 13, so we only have a year and a half left to finish. And uh, again and again, we have discovered and seen that the essence of this homily, because Hebrews was originally a homily, which turned into a letter, but the essence of this homily, which comes through, is that you know, our, our, our homilist is warning the Hebrews against apostasy, which they were tempted to, to fall away from the faith because of the persecution they were under. And he admonishes them to their true calling, to, 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 to keep the faith in fortitude, that their true calling, which he makes plain, there is no other book in the New Testament, which emphasizes or explicates what it means to worship God like Hebrews does. In fact, much of our Mass and the prayers of our Mass derive their language and their essence from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews really is the liturgical book of the New Testament, emphasizing what the sacrifice of Christ on the cross was all about. So their true calling is to worship God, and to worship God is, is to love God. And the entirety of this homily of Hebrews explicates that very thing, what it means to worship and love God, and it all boils down to this. To worship is to offer sacrifice. But to worship ultimately is to offer sacrifice. You are not loving God if you are not worshiping God, and you are not worshiping God if you are not offering sacrifice. Now we all know that we, in and of ourselves, have nothing worthy, nothing pure, nothing acceptable to offer to God. But Jesus Christ has offered himself on our behalf, and so now by faith in the Holy Spirit, just as Patrick was this morning, gloriously, and what prayers we prayed, it's nothing like the prayers for an adult baptism. I hope you heard them really powerful. We have been joined to Christ. And when He offers Himself, we can offer ourselves in and through Him. He is our mediator to God. And now, we can be made worthy because He is in us and we are in Him. And our lives can be joined to Him as we offer Him in the sacrifice 
of the Mass. And now we do have something acceptable to offer to God, a reasonable service. Turning to the book of Hebrews, I want to read a, just a short little passage um, from chapter 13. It says, therefore, through him, through him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That phrase, by the way, is in the canon of our Mass, sacrifice of praise. That's not just, um, you know, singing nice songs and hymns. That's a technical phrase. Sacrifice of praise is referring to an Old Testament sacrifice, the Todah sacrifice. That is the vertical. Let us offer our sacrifice through Christ. Speaking of primarily the Eucharist, the pinnacle of our offering, the sacramental pinnacle, although it goes beyond that into our whole lives, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God, but, he says immediately after, but do not forget to do good and to share. Here we're at the horizontal. Offer our sacrifice to God, but do not forget to, good, to do good and to share with, for with such sacrifices. God is well pleased. Such sacrifices... He includes in our good doing, our virtues, our charitable acts of generosity and virtuous deeds, he calls these sacrifices pleasing to God in the same context that we offer the sacrifice of Christ. He puts them all together in terms of our worship. Love God and love neighbor. This is, encapsulates it all. And this love is manifest principally through our worship of God. And our worship of God is defined by sacrifice. That sacrifice we offer in the Eucharist when we offer the very body and blood of our Lord and when we join ourselves to that sacrifice, our whole life, our whole intention, our obedience, our adoration, our humility, our trust, our faith, all of it, we pour into the chalice upon the altar with Christ and offer it to God. And our good deeds, our virtuous deeds that we do for one another, guess what? They all get poured right into the chalice. They are all part of our sacrifice to God, including even our money and such things. Sirach says in chapter 35, by works of charity, one offers fine flour. He associates the offering, you know, which was a thing in the cult of Judaism, the fine flour. He says, works of charity correspond to the offering of fine flour. And then he says, and one who gives alms presents a sacrifice of praise. It's all wrapped up together. In your sacrifice to God. It is part of your worship. Again he says. Sirach says. As water quenches a flaming fire. So almsgiving. This is a good one. Atones for sins. We all know. The familiar passage of Romans chapter 12. Where St. Paul says. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That ye present your bodies. As a living sacrifice holy 
acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Again, the offering of our lives, even our bodies, is a sacrifice to God. Now listen what St. Paul has to say to the Christians at Philippi. They had sent, he was in need, and they sent him some material goods by a brother. And he responds saying that the material goods that they sent him, he doesn't say what they are, whether it was money or a cloak or books or food or whatever it was, he refers to them as a sweet odor, a sweet-smelling sacrifice acceptable to God. The money they sent St. Paul was a sacrifice to God. He says, but I have all, I have all and abound. I am full and have received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. An odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Finally, the last short passage I want to mention is from the Apostle Peter, where he summarizes what and who we are as Christians, as a Christian body. He says, this is the essence of our corporate nature, of the body of Christ. He says, ye also, as lively stones, are built up into a spiritual house, a temple, and holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So to love God, as Christ admonishes us, to love God, to worship God, is to offer sacrifice. And the sacrifice we offer directly to God in the Eucharist is also co-joined with the sacrifices we make when we do virtuous deeds and are charitable to one another, all of this goes in to that chalice. Our whole life goes in. Our pain, our trust, our hopes, our cries, our fears, our monetary gifts, our time. You know, people, took, I, I talked to somebody, somebody took two days off of work this week to help plant flowers. You know, they're not wealthy at all. They struggle to pay their bills like everybody else. They came the first day, took one day off, came and helped, and it looked like there was going to be a big need the next day. They told me, they said, well, I sat down to work the next day, and I was sitting there, and I was like, ah, i got to go over to the church and help. <laughs> so they took the second day off and went over and worked the second day. It was a great help. That was a sacrifice. That was a sacrifice that they made for to beautify the church. And beauty's important. That's another lesson. But beauty's really important. This is how we love God. And that sacrifice, that little sacrifice that person made, that gets attached to this Eucharistic sacrifice we make today. It's all part of it. That's part of the sacrifice. In fact, without those kinds of sacrifices, this sacrifice is a lot less meaningful. <laughs> this sacrifice... The sacrifice of our heart when we come to the Mass and we repent of our sins and we say, Lord, I'm sorry, I haven't loved you, I haven't, ser- you know, I haven't lived righteously, I offer you that, I give you myself as unclean as I am, I give you myself, I give you my faith. That needs to be backed up by some currency. You've got to back that up. You've got to back that up with some 
tangible, hard, cold cash. I'm not just talking about money, okay? That just that was a good metaphor, though. But we got to back that up, right? It just, just can't just be words. It can't just be an emotional compunction. It's got to be backed up with a life, with real, tangible, concrete acts of virtue and charity. Sacrifice, what's the nature of sacrifice anyway? Sacrifice is costly, right? Costly. It involves death and loss. <laughs> That's what sacrifice is. It's a giving up. The perfect sacrifice, perhaps, the perfect sacrifice in the Jewish cult is the Holocaust, where the entire victim is completely destroyed by fire. And so, in that sense, nothing is left over. It is a total sacrifice. The whole thing entirely rises in smoke up to God and nothing is left. An acceptable sacrifice to God is the giving over of ourselves completely and totally to another, principally to God, but we give ourselves to one another as a way of giving ourselves to God. We give our time, we give our money, our sleep, our aspirations, our self-interests. All of life, all of our life is summed up in our worship to God and our charity to our brethren. And we can say if we are lost, if we are feeling alone, if we have lacking clarity in our lives about what our life is to be all about, we don't feel purposeful, we don't have meaning and fulfillment in our life, the first place we perhaps should look is how we can spend our lives on worship of God through sacrifice to Him and sacrifice on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ. How we can offer our living bodies, our bodies as living sacrifices for God. When we do this, I think this is where we will find the purpose of our life. We will find meaning in our life. Instead of searching for meaning, we need to give our lives up, and then we will find meaning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.